Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. In Matthew 4.4, Yeshua said these words, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Taking in the word of God every day is life to our spirit and health to our bones. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue reading through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation. Today we finish up the Torah portion for the week, Shalak Leka, and it means send for yourself. Numbers fifteen, twenty-one to 41 Throughout the generations to come, you are to present a sacred offering to the Lord each year from the first of your ground flower. But suppose you unintentionally fail to carry out all these commands that the Lord has given you through Moses. And suppose your descendants in the future fail to do everything the Lord has commanded through Moses. If the mistake was made unintentionally and the community was unaware of it, the whole community must present a young bull for a burnt offering as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It must be offered along with its prescribed grain offering and liquid offering and with one male goat for a sin offering. With it, the priest will purify the whole community of Israel, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. For it was an unintentional sin, and they have corrected it with their offerings to the Lord, the special gift, and the sin offering. The whole community of Israel will be forgiven, including the foreigners living among you, for all the people were involved in the sin. If one individual commits an unintentional sin, the guilty person must bring a one-year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest will sacrifice it to purify the guilty person before the Lord. And that person will be forgiven. 
These same instructions apply both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. But those who brazenly violate the Lord's will, whether native-born Israelites or foreigners, have blasphemed the Lord, and they must be cut off from the community. Since they have treated the Lord's word with contempt and deliberately disobeyed his command, they must be completely cut off and suffer the punishment for their guilt. One day, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. The people who found him doing this task took him before Moses and Aaron and the rest of the community. They held him in custody because they did not know what to do with him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must be put to death. The whole community must stone him outside the camp. So the whole community took the man outside the camp and stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. The tassels will help you remember that you must obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God. I am the Lord your God. 1 Kings 22, 1-53 For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then, during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. During the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, Do you realize that the town of Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us? And yet we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram. Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, Will you join me in battle to recover Ramoth-Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, But first let's find out what the Lord says. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, about four hundred of them, and asked them, Should I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead, or should I hold back? They all replied, Yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. The king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, There is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Emiah. Jehoshaphat replied, That's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Quick, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah. King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. One of them, Zedekiah, son of Keninah, made some iron horns and proclaimed, This is what the Lord says. With these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. 
All the other prophets agreed. Yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him, Look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micaiah replied, As surely as the Lord lives, I will only say what the Lord tells me to say. Then Micaiah arrived before the king. Ahab asked him, Micaiah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or should we hold back? Micaiah replied sarcastically, Yes, go up and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. But the king replied sharply, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micaiah told him, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel exclaimed to Jehoshaphat, He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micaiah continued, Listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions, and finally a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do it? the Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Canina, walked up to Micaiah and slapped him across the face. Since when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, You will find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to my son, Joash. Give them this order from the king. Put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the battle. But Micaiah replied, If you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around him, Everyone mark my words. So King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah led their armies against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, As we go into battle, I will disguise myself so no one will recognize me, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel, Ahab, disguised himself, and they went into battle. Meanwhile, the king of Aram had issued these orders to his 32 chariot commanders. Attack only the king of Israel. Don't bother with anyone else. So when the Aramean chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they went after him. There is the king of Israel, they shouted. But when Jehoshaphat called out, the chariot commanders realized he was not the king of Israel, and they stopped chasing him. An Aramean soldier, however, randomly shot an arrow at the Israelite troops and hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Turn the horses and get me out of here, Ahab groaned to the driver of his chariot. I'm badly wounded. The battle raged all that day, and the king remained propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans. 
The blood from his wound ran down to the floor of his chariot, and as evening arrived, he died. Just as the sun was setting, the cry ran through his troops, We're done for. Run for your lives. So the king died, and his body was taken to Samaria and buried there. Then his chariot was washed beside the pool of Samaria, and the dogs came and licked his blood at the place where the prostitutes bathed, just as the Lord had promised. The rest of the events in Ahab's reign and everything he did, including the story of the ivory palace and the towns he built, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. So Ahab died, and his son Ahaziah became the next king. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. His mother was Azubah, the daughter of Shili. Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the example of his father, Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines. The people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. The rest of the events in Jehoshaphat's reign, the extent of his power, and the wars he waged are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. He banished from the land the rest of the male and female shrine prostitutes who still continued their practices from the days of his father Asa. There was no king in Edom at that time, only a deputy. Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading ships to sail to Ophir for gold. But the ships never set sail, for they met with disaster in their home port of Ezion-Geber. At one time, Ahaziah, son of Ahab, had proposed to Jehoshaphat, Let my men sail with your men in the ships. But Jehoshaphat refused the request. When Jehoshaphat died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Jehoram became the next king. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in the seventeenth year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria for two years. But he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the example of his father and mother, and the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had led Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him, provoking the anger of the Lord the God of Israel, just as his father had done. Acts thirteen sixteen to 41 So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, those in the synagogue, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then, with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about four hundred and fifty years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for forty years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him 
to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Yeshua, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not. But he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Yeshua as the one prophet who the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and over a period of many days he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. There are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Yeshua. This is what the second psalm says about Yeshua. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Yeshua, There is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the Torah of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, Look, you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Psalm 138, 1-8 I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me, You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by by troubles, You will protect me from the anger of my enemies. 
You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Proverbs 17, 17 and 18. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. I'd like to speak to you today from our Haftorah portion from 1 Kings 22, and then we're going to jump into Acts 13 and Psalm 138. So in 1 Kings chapter 22, the northern kingdom king, King Ahab, and the southern kingdom king, King Jehoshaphat, come together, and they decide that they're thinking about going into battle against Ramoth Gilead. So before they make this move, they consult with a bunch of prophets, and they bring in about 50 prophets, and they're all saying, you're going to have victory, you're going to have victory, go for it. And then they bring in one true prophet of God, Micaiah. And King Ahab hates him because every time Micaiah prophesies, it always he always brings him a negative word, he brings him trouble. And so initially, Micaiah says, yes, go against Ramoth Gilead, the Lord will give you victory. And then the king says, How many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me? So then in verse 17, Micaiah tells him, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. So that's the true word of the Lord. So then the king gives him pushback. And... um. Micaiah continues and says, listen to what the Lord says. Verse 19, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the armies of heaven around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. Verse 22, how will you do this? The Lord asked. And the spirit replied, I will go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, said the Lord. Go ahead and do it. Verse 23, so you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Now, what's so powerful about this chapter is that we see that prophecies come to pass. They are fulfilled. The word of the Lord is fulfilled. Also in this chapter, we're getting a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain at what goes on in the heavenly realm. And so heaven and earth are connected. The earth is a a shadow and a mirror, a reflection of what goes on in the heavenly realm. And so there was this consultation in the throne room of heaven about how can we set up a circumstance so that King Ahab is killed. And then this spirit said, this is how I'll do it. I'll put a lying spirit in all the prophets. And that's exactly what happened. All of the prophets before King Ahab were saying, go for it. You'll win. But then, of course, the one true prophet told the truth. The king has been killed and all the sheep are scattered and they're going to go home in peace. So what happens? That's the prophecy. Did it come to pass? Yes, it did. Ahab disguises himself as a common soldier. An arrow pierces through his army, 
through his armor and he is bleeding, slowly bleeding out until finally in the evening he dies. Then his chariot is taken near the pool of Samaria and all the blood inside the chariot is washed out and literally the dogs came and licked up his blood at the place where the prostitutes bathed just as the Lord had promised. So this was prophesied a couple of chapters ago that this is how Ahab would die, that his blood would be licked up by the dogs, and this has certainly come to pass. So the word of the Lord is a sure word. It is a true word, and every jot and tittle, every part of it comes to pass. That's the principle. And many, many, many places throughout the Hebrew Scriptures both in the Torah, in the prophets, in the writings, in the Psalms. There are prophecies about the Messiah. And many of them were fulfilled in his first coming, that he came from Bethlehem, and that he would die a death that's excruciating. His face would be disfigured. that He would be speared in the side. Many, many... Uh, prophecies have been fulfilled about him. And there are some other ones that have not yet been fulfilled because they will happen. They will be fulfilled upon his second coming. Okay, now I want to jump into the book of Acts. And Peter is giving a sermon. No, it's Paul. Excuse me, it's Paul that's giving a beautiful sermon. And he's basically speaking the gospel message in this sermon. But the part I want to zoom in on is verses 38 to 40 in Acts chapter 13, where it is written, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Yeshua, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the Torah of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. Um, and I'll leave that out. Okay, this is something very, very important I want to zoom in on. And that is, sometimes there can be a tendency in the Hebrew roots community to be so focused on the Torah and study the Torah and, you know, fall in love with the Torah and, and just really chow down on the Torah that sometimes what happens is there's a slow drift away from Yeshua. And we can become detached from him who is the head. And then when that happens, uh, sometimes what happens is the Holy Spirit departs. And sometimes we just end up in a religious mode, in a religious spirit. And then sometimes what happens is there are some who end up hopping the fence and they convert to Judaism. They, they turn their back on Yeshua. They deny him. And they, they fall so much in love with the Torah, they want to become, go into Judaism. And so what these verses are saying is, okay, that the, the Torah of Moses cannot save us. It does not save us. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God, so no one can boast. And we're saved by faith when we believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and that he died for our sins. That's our starting point. And, and 
that's where the Sunday mainstream church has it right and correct. And so the problem is that the Sunday mainstream church stops there, and that's only the beginning of the journey. Yes, we begin in salvation, and we're saved by faith, and Yeshua's name in Hebrew means salvation. But then after we're saved by grace through faith, then with the indwelling Holy Spirit, he takes out our heart of stone, he gives us a heart of flesh, and then he begins to write his word, his Torah, upon our heart. It's not external, it's internal. He writes the word of God upon our heart. And so then by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we're to follow and walk in the ways that Yeshua walked. Well, how did he walk? He kept the Sabbath. He kept the feasts. He followed the Torah. So we're to do the same. But it's by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Torah does not save us. Yeshua saves us. So we need to have relationship with Yeshua And if we don't, then we're still lost and in the dark. Yeshua has tremendous love for his sheep. And he laid down his life for the sheep. That's how much he loves his sheep. Now I want to make a comment out of Psalm 138. Verses 6 and 7. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Now, A lot of the Torah is written in code, and you have to decode things to understand the deeper meaning. So on the Peshat service level, it talks about how the Lord, that you will, you reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. That's Peshat. But at the deeper level, the uh, term right hand is actually a reference to Yeshua. Yeshua is the right hand of the Father. It was the right hand of the father that led the Hebrews out of Egypt, cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. That cloud by day and pillar of fire by night was the manifestation of Yeshua in his pre-incarnate form. And after he ascended and went back up to heaven, he is now seated at the right hand of the father. So the father is like the visionary. He comes up with the vision, the plan. And then Yeshua is the implementer. He executes and implements and carries out the Father's plan. And he's perfectly obedient to his Father. So this is another principle. The Lord is great. He cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. So we're going through some tough times right now in this nation. We've come through coronavirus, that's still a reality. And now we have cities on fire, looting, rioting, violence. It's uh, it's like the world has gone mad. Many people are out of work. Many people have not been able to start collecting or receiving unemployment. 
There are many people out there who still haven't received their $1,200 stimulus check. So people are going through tough times. And this is a time to humble ourselves and to trust and to cry out to God. That we tend to sometimes be very fiercely independent and, you know, stand on our own flesh, on our own strength. But this is a time to even prostrate ourselves before the Lord and cry out to him and humble ourselves and say, Oh, Abba, help me. Save me. Take care of me. I need you. He is near to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. He's near to those who've humbled themselves. But those who continue to stand in pride, he stays back from. So may we humble ourselves in this time and in this hour. Shalom. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.